Good morning, good morning. It's great to stay up late or wake up early. Good morning, good morning to you. Good morning, good morning. You can't plagiarize songs. This was the copyright material of Singing in the Rain and Gene Kelly and Debbie Reynolds and Donald O'Connell. Um, I've been introducing my kids uh, to classic musicals, which is kind of fun. Um, Singing in the Rain, Sound of Music. They've actually seen Sound of Music previously. A uh, little bit of South Pacific, but holy smokes, that thing was a risque piece of piece of entertainment. Jeez Louise. All kinds of marital infidelity and loose morals. and um, But the songs are just so stinking catchy. Rogers and Hammerstein. Holy cool. Holy, holy cool. Uh, Rogers and Hammerstein, they definitely knew how to put an earworm or an earwig. Earworm? Earworm. <laughs> it's like you hear that song, you hear any of their songs, and you can't stop singing it for like the next two days. Whew. Um, hey, what's up? Early Saturday morning instead of Saturday morning cartoons. Tune in to Muthanomics. Man, it's so stormy. Georgia is just a stormy mess in the winter. Stormy, stormy mess in the winter. Rainy, thundery, cold, foggy. Pretty much just a uh, paradise for depression. Um, it's weird having the sun so low in the sky. Like in, in Florida, you know, you're pretty far south. Um, really? Um <laughs> you know that's a, a wonder. I wonder. I wonder how many uh, elementary school kids um, could identify states. I wonder if that's like uh, a remnant of the patriarchy and white supremacy to be able to identify states. All right, kids, we're gonna have a geography test. That's racist. States are a structure of the age-old patriarchy that oppressed everybody except rich white males. Um, well, can we learn about longitude and latitude? That is misogynistic. Um, can we learn about astronomy? Maybe identifying the Big Dipper. The Big Dipper? That's, that is... The oppressors oppressing the small. Well, can we learn about the Little Dipper? Now you're insulting tiny people. Holy smokes, people. When is the insanity going to end? Like, wake me up before you go-go. Um, right over the edge into a lemming-filled death zone when everybody spills over the 100-foot cliff and was like just splats because they're all a bunch of morons. Holy smokes, people. Stop being lemmings. Um, and with that, I guess we're I guess we're back to what is this episode um, thirty eight? I believe we're on to episode thirty eight. Treinta y ocho. You can't say that. That's appropriating other cultures' languages. I just love. I mean, you play these things out to the point of being absurd, and you realize how stupid things are. Like. <laughs> Like, eventually, we're not going to be able to learn another a foreign language because we'll be appropriating someone else's culture. Go away. Woke weenies. Go away. I think that's my mission for January uh, for, for all of 2020 
um, is to just uh, endlessly uh, ridicule woke weenies um, and point out the absurdity uh, of many of their positions, although they're entitled to hold them. So they can have they can have their absurd positions, um, but I can also point out the absurdity of said absurd positions. Um, so where are we at now? We are um, we are near the end of January. We're actually at the end of January, January thirtieth. A month has come and gone, and what have you done with it? Where are your New Year's resolutions? My guess they're crumpled up in the trash can um, or they are starting to more rapidly devolve with the pressing of the snooze button. I just need seven more minutes of beauty sleep. Once I feel like being productive, then I will be productive. <laughs> the, <laughs> the mental gymnastics that people come up with to be unproductive will never cease to amaze me. Well, I just am waiting for the feeling. Dude, if you're waiting for a feeling to be productive, guess what? You've guaranteed the fact that you will never be productive. You got to work, people. What does Gary Player say? I've discovered that the harder I work, the luckier I become. I just need to catch lightning in a bottle. Well, you've had 29 freaking days to catch lightning in a bottle, and it likely hasn't happened. So stop trying to catch lightning in a bottle and just go pick up some freaking bottles. Um, now, now you're just being mean. Um, the Bucks are in the Super Bowl. The Bucks are in the Super Bowl. It's funny. We lived in Tampa for 12 and a half years. And the year we got there, they had previously made the playoffs in 2007. And I'll never forget... We got there in 08, and we were in the fall of 08, watching the final game of the season with Jeff Garcia as their fearless quarterback. And they needed a win to make the playoffs. And John Gruden was still there. And I believe they still had, oh man, I want to say they still had like John Lynch, um, maybe Warwick Dunn. No, Dunn was probably with the Falcons by then. Um, did they have their... Did they have their uh, fullback, Mike Allstott? They might have still had him. I can't remember all the players who they had. I just remember Jeff Garcia being being there. And I think that I think Keyshawn Johnson might have still been with him. No, because he left the Bucks and went to the Cowboys. I all this stuff's blending together. I can't remember. Um, yeah, I think Keyshawn Johnson left the Bucks after they won the Super Bowl and went to the Cowboys to catch passes from a um, increasingly feeble. Drew Bledsoe and Vinny Testaverde, um, who was who, who was then subsequently benched for Tony Romo, the not Hall of Fame quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. My kids were asking me this: Is Tony Romo going to be in the Hall of Fame? I was like, How can you win two playoff games and be in the Hall of Fame? If Tony Romo makes the Hall of Fame, I'll, I I totally quit. I mean, I've already quit with professional sports because of all the woke nonsense. Um, in fact, the, the Bucks playoffs are the only NFL I've really watched. We've watched this entire season. Um, because I just can't deal. I just can't I, I just can't deal with the the forceful um, woke messaging that's going on. I mean, hey, I guess have your opinion, but I can also have mine, which is I don't want to participate in that. So you're just terrible. 
Um, so anyway, but because we were in Tampa and because one of my best friends works um, with the at Tampa Bay of Buccaneers, um, we were like, yo, let's watch them. So we've been watching them and cheering them on in the playoffs. And uh, they ended up beating, winning three road games to become the first team ever to be uh, the, the host city for the Super Bowl actually playing in the Super Bowl. So pretty cool. Anyway, my point is we moved, we were in Tampa 12 and a half years. We got there in 07. Oh no, we got there in 08. The Bucks had made the playoffs in 07. And in the fall of 08, they needed to win their last game. Um, and Jeff Garcia was at the helm. And I remember it being really close. In fact, this is going to be an interesting trip down memory lane. Um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, 2008 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're going to go to... Wow, look at that. We're going to go to Wikipedia. And we're going to say week seven. Whoops, wrong button. I hate when the page like fully loads and jumps you down. Um, week Oh, there we, oh, it did. Oh, it, it jumped me down the page because I clicked the link. I thought it was going to open a new page. It, it was a jump to. Um, Tampa Bay concluded the 2008 regular season against the Oakland Raiders. Coach John Gruden's former team and the team they beat in Super Bowl XXV11 2037. Tampa Bay needed a victory and a loss by Dallas to clinch. A, oh, okay. I didn't realize they needed a loss by Dallas. So I was probably cheering against them. <laughs> First quarter was a defensive battle. Both teams struggling to cross midfield. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Oakland took a 7-0 lead. Jeff Garcia followed up with 10-play 80-yard drive, including 20-yard pass to Michael Clayton. Both teams started the third quarter with three now drives. Yep, sounds pretty typical. On the next drive, Jeff Garcia connected 25-yard pass to Carnell Cadillac Williams, then a 58-yard bomb. I don't know if 58 yards is a bomb. I consider a bomb like 75-yard plus, but whatever Wikipedia couch chair, armchair editor, um, to Clayton for a touchdown. Nearing the end of third quarter, Tampa again went along scoring drive, capping off with a Matt Bryant field goal and a 17-14 lead. Kaboom! Um, 12-25 remaining, Jamarcus Russell. I forgot about that guy, the most overpaid Krispy Kreme body uh, quarterback in the history of the NFL. Dude, that guy got paid and he just started eating. Holy smokes, that guy was a doughy quarterback. I kind of understand that. Where's the work ethic? Where's the self-respect? You get paid? Like, don't you want to, like, prove something? No, I just want to eat. Um, uh, Jamarcus Russell was intercepted by Sabby Piscatelli. I mean, if this doesn't show you the brevity of life and the insignificance and inconsequential behavior of, of just the shallowness of mankind, here's Sabby Piscatelli. Sabby freaking Piscatelli probably worked his entire life to make the NFL. And I don't, I've, holy smokes, that guy is, he is freaking shredded. Who is Sabby Piscatelli? Wow, he should be, dude, Sabby Piscatelli is the example of what a retired professional athlete should become. I thought Sabby Piscatelli was going to be chubby, washed up Piscatelli. Um, born in 83, he was a former American football player. 
and he currently signed with the WWE, the World Fake Wrestling Entertainment Association, um, under the ring name Tino Sabatelli. He was he also worked for All Elite Wrestling under the ring name Sabby. Prior to joining the WWE, Piscitelli played six years in the National Football League. He was drafted by the Tampa Bay Bucks, second round of the 2007 NFL Draft, and then he played for the Cleveland Browns and the Kansas City Chiefs. He played collegially Oregon State. Dude, Savage Piscitelli, do a 30 for 30 on this guy. This guy, this guy I like. I mean, normally I think of, you know, the, the average NFL player plays for three seasons and then who knows what happens. We always hear the horror stories of how they get addicted to like crack and meth and heroin or, you know, bankrupt and living in some, you know, that, that broke special on 30 for 30 was just awful. Bernie Kosar, Vinny Testaverde, all these guys just, you know, making millions and then being completely, you know, bankrupt. Dude, Savvy Piscatelli is shredded. I guess you have to be shredded to be on the WWE unless you're like some butterball character. Wow. Anyway, the brevity of life. Like, this guy's worked his entire, entire life to achieve things. And, and, you know, maybe 10 people outside of his family know who he is. Don't take yourself so seriously is probably the moral of that story. Uh, anyway, Jamarcus Russell was picked off by Savvy Piscatelli at the five-yard line. Way to choke. Piscatelli returned the ball 84 yards to the Oakland 11. That's just a tough play right there. Two plays later, Cadillac Williams was in the end zone for his second touchdown of the day. Pass interference call on Will Allen moved Oakland Tampa 12 yards. Okay, so they're up. So with that touchdown, if they were up 17-14, they scored. They would have been up 24-14. Okay. Um, do, 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 do. They were up. Oh, and then they gave up a touchdown. That stinks. So they were up 24-21, 10 minutes to go. Tampa decided to try to run out the clock. Cadillac Williams rumbled for 28 yards, but fell with an apparent serious knee injury. Ooh, the second of his career. That hurts, Cadillac Williams. Tampa Bay, I guess Cadillac Williams blew a tire. Um, Wow! Tampa Bay... Ultimately turned the ball over on downs at the Oakland 33. On the very next play, Michael Bush, don't remember him, busted through the Buccaneer defense to score a go-ahead 64-yard touchdown run. Where's that vaunted Bucks D, John Grudem? Oh, I do remember this. After a Jeff Garcia interception um, and a late Oakland field goal, the Buccaneers fell the Raiders 31-24, and thus once again the home team hosting the Super Bowl will not play in it, except for 2021 uh having failed to even make the postseason with the loss tampa bay ended the season nine and seven head coach john grudem and general manager bruce allen were fired well put up or put up or shut up i guess um so anyway what's why did i just read an entire wikipedia recap of a football game from 2008 that was awesome Maybe I should. Maybe this that that should be the entire podcast is just reading Wikipedia recaps. <laughs> I do. I, I was reading the, to the kids the Fog Bowl. I was I was talking about. They were like, "Hey, do you think the Bucks can beat the Packers?" And I said, "Well, the Packers will definitely have the cold advantage because they're used to playing in frigid weather, but it's kind of neutralized because they have all this newfangled fancy technology which defrosts the field. Talk about the biggest joke ever." Um, and they were like, what do you mean? And I said, well, the fog bowl, 
It was like the Bears and the somebody played the Fog Bowl back in like the 80, December 88, January 89. And I remember watching that as a kid and like you couldn't even like really even see. The cameras were so fogged out you couldn't even really see what was happening. Um, you could see like some silhouettes of players and you'd hear the announcers, you know, relaying. Uh, the ball apparently has advanced to the 16-yard line. That's what our sideline uh, reporter is Morse coding to us up here in the broadcasting booth. Um, but yeah, those were the days when you had to play on, you know, icy tundra and, you know, a wrong step could have meant a torn ACL. But no, they're too valuable now. We can't put them through any sort of pain. So they, they heat the field. They heat the field, and so then the 24-degree snowy weather just turns into like a tropical paradise in Green Bay, Wisconsin, because they've got technology piping a sauna into the field. Lame. Uh, anyway, so the Bucks are into the playoffs. So we were there 12 years. Bucks missed the playoffs the first year we were there due to that choke job against the Raiders. And then they didn't make the playoffs for the 12 years we were there. And the first year we moved there, the Rays made the World Series, lost to the Indians. Um, and the Lightning made the Stanley Cup like in 14, was it 14? 16, something like that. Never won. So basically all the teams, the Lightning did the most consistently well. And, and the, the Rays did fairly well early on. But then we move, and the year we move, the Rays make the World Series again. Uh, the, the Lightning win the Stanley Cup, and the Bucks are into the Super Bowl. So it's like, hey, maybe we are the bad luck. So we need to, you know, once we leave a city, then that team will succeed. So if and when we ever leave the Atlanta area, if the Falcons then show up or the Hawks show up and, and do well, um, I'm going to insist that our next move be to Dallas so that we could live in Dallas for a few years. And then when we move, the Cowboys will finally win the Super Bowl again. Um, you know, it's getting pathetic to be a Cowboys fan when your 14-year-old son comes to you and says, Dad, um, I really hope that the Cowboys win the Super Bowl one more time before you die. <laughs> and he, he wasn't talking trash. He was being like sincerely honest. It was great. It's it was great. Who's a good boy? The unbreakable bond between humans and dogs. You know, can, can we talk about the mass manipulation of messaging that's that has been going on in in our society for the last? I think it's always been going on. It just became painfully obvious the last four years when the redheaded, uh, orange-faced um, gentleman named Donald J. Trump was in the White House. Um, the, the, the coordinated mass manipulation of messaging is just unreal. Like it was nothing but apocalypse when DJT was at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue and he's been out for 10 days. What it was 21st to the 20th. Um, no, he's out for he's been out for he's been out for three days. He's been out for three days. And the messaging's like totally different. 
you're going, what are you talking about? You're a conspiracy theorist. No, like what? It's 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 unbelievable to me. It's unbelievable to me that that we're we're no. He's been out. No, he's been out ten days. It's the thirtieth, twentieth. Yeah, he's been out ten days. Looking at the calendar the wrong way. He's been out ten days, and we have flu commercials again. We were watching the game, and there's flu commercials. There's this lady sneezing and hacking all over her kitchen, and the little like animated you know, friendly, you know, bubble pops up. Oh, hey, are you not feeling well? Try Theraflu, cold and flu. What? 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 I thought we were all in this together. I thought that the CDC needed to show up in outbreak. I thought Dustin Hoffman and Kevin Spacey and Rene Russo were going to show up. And that guy from from ER, I don't remember his name. I think that guy was in that movie. They're going to show up in yellow suits with breathing mechanisms. <laughs> You're going to die if you sneeze. I thought that's what we were doing. What happened to that? What happened to the freaking germ apocalypse that was going to wipe out the entire world? Now all of a sudden we can sneeze in the comfort of our kitchen and spray animated snot all over everything and then have some little cheery animated bubble pop up and say, Oh, shucks, are you not feeling well? Try over-the-counter cold and flu medicine and you'll feel better. Like what's happening? Nobody sees this. Like nobody else sees this, that in the matter of 10 days, it went from death zone 101 to the black plague to bodies piled up on the side of the road to now you can just freely sneeze in the comfort of your kitchen and nobody cares. If you don't see this, like what's wrong with you? Open your eyes, people. You are getting manipulated on a, on a scale that's probably never been done before because the mass manipulators have access into your eyeballs every single day with your front-facing selfie cam and all of the things that you tap on on Instagram or Twitter or Safari or DuckDuckGo. Well, I guess DuckDuckGo, probably not unless they're, unless they're just totally scamming us. But I, the, the messaging is unreal. Like vacation commercials are back. There was no doom and gloom. The, the collection of DNA. You have, you have DNA, you have muscles, bones, organs. You switched out one human at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue with another human at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And we've gone from Dustin Hoffman and Rene Russo and Kevin Spacey breathing like Darth Vader in CDC death masks to being able to freely sneeze in our kitchen with no consequence. The, we, we, are, we are being manipulated on a scale um, which should alarm you. It is really disgusting to me. Um, it's really disgusting, one, that... It can be executed um, in the first place, and it's equally disgusting to me that it appears that nobody really even notices it, and they just kind of go along with it. Oh, hey, look, okay, orange man, bad. Now I can sneeze. Everything's fine. Whoop de doo. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a travesty. It's a travesty. California went from you know everybody's going to die of the COVID to oh hey look I'm getting recalled so now everything's back in the open. There's no more lockdowns. 
Chicago, we're all going to die. Oh, hey, look, you can go into restaurants now. Who cares? New York, everybody's going to die. It's like I am legend. Oh, hey, hey, now we can do whatever we want. Let's go back to dining. It's unreal. It really is unreal. It should alarm you. Um, it alarms me. Um, wow. It's You know what it is? It's that terrible Batman movie from the 90s with, was it, uh, who was the Batman? I want to say George Clooney, but I think that was the second one. That was even worse with like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I, I don't even think I watched that one because it was so bad I couldn't finish it. Wasn't George Clooney Batman in that one? That was awful. Who's the Batman I'm thinking of? Um, it was with Jim Carrey played the the like Joker-esque character. Tommy Lee Jones was Two-Face, whatever. Val Kilmer. Holy cow, it was Val Kilmer. That's who it was. Anyway, that particular Batman, I think it came out in 95 maybe. Um, if you remember that particular one, and I think Uma Thurman was like the like eat me Seymour or feed me Seymour. She was like the growing green ivy plant lady who grew like monstrous tomato plants or something. Anyway, Jim Carrey came up with that device that he would sit on top of the TVs and it would like Star Trek mind meld with your brainwaves and like brainwash you to believe anything. Holy cow, talk about like a prescient um, plot device <laughs> that accurately foresaw um, 25 years down the road. Wow. But instead of some like lava lamp looking thing that you stuck on top of your TV, it's just a slick little five and a half inch metal and glass device that you hold in your hands and tap away on. Hmm. Mind control. What was that? That was Batman, Batman Reigns, Batman Forever, Batman 1995. What was that one? Batman, Batman Forever. Batman Forever. Yep, Jim Carrey. What did he play? 5.4 out of 10 by the audience score. Um, cast. Jim Carrey played the Riddler. Was the Riddler an actual character, I guess, in the Adam West series? He must have been. The Riddler, the Joker. Um... Tommy Lee Jones, Harvey Two-Face, Chris O'Donnell. Yeah, Chris O'Donnell, he he was kind of interesting. He was like the 90s version of um, Colin Farrell. Like Colin Farrell was like the young stud with like the short hair and the chiseled jawbone for like two movies. And then I don't know what happened. I think he did, I think he did Payphone or whatever that movie was where he was like held hostage in the Payphone in New York City with a sniper in the window. He did that movie and I think his career just plummeted after that. Chris O'Donnell did Batman Forever, and he was done. <laughs> wonder if uh, Alfred Pennyworth is still alive. I doubt it. That guy was ancient back in 95. He's definitely dead. Holy cow, he lived till 2011. That guy had some spit and fire in him. Michael Goh. I'm just... So I started by reading Wikipedia, and now I'm reading IMDb. Wonder what the Rotten Tomatoes is on this thing. Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten to I'm still getting used. I got to I got to say I'm still getting used to DuckDuckGo. The the results are not in the same order as the Google. 
scrolling down. Wow, I scrolled the entire page and there's no Rotten Tomatoes link. Oh, it's because they put it up in the right. They have a little box that kind of consolidates everything. So Rotten Tomatoes, Batman Forever. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna look, I'm gonna guess it's a 38. What is it? Ooh, 39. Dude, I can I not, I, I know these people. I know these Hollywood critics. Probably accused Jim Carrey of overacting. They probably accused it of, you know, oh, it had it had a promising plot, but terrible execution. Um, Batman Forever is a visual tour de force, a knock-your-eyes-out effort, but it overdoes and overkills. And what starts out exhilarating ends up, dun-dun-dun, exhausting. Yeah, okay. Um, it's as flawed as it is brilliant. This is where woke weenies get all of their stupid talking points is from overrated movie critics who just love to like play language soup and try to sound smart. You mean they they use alliteration and uh, points that uh, <laughs> they're they're essentially the equivalent of woke sermons. All right, now the four P's of a better life. Oh, man. Tino Sabatelli. Dude, that guy is like my fitness inspiration. I would probably... I don't even know. Like, I'm guessing you... No, I don't want to accuse him of taking steroids, but that that is... He, he must just work out like 10 hours a day. That's, that's impressive. I got to admit. Those are some muscles. Um, so, what's the main point of this podcast today? It's kind of run the gamut. Um, the main point is that we need apolitical spaces that's what we need in america right now we need we need principle like i said a couple weeks ago we need principles that's for certain um but we need some apolitical spaces like not everything has to be political um like we can have a space that just says hey i want to talk about sabby pascatelli and that's it I want to make fun of the WWE. That's it. I want to talk about Jamarcus Russell being a uh, huge, overrated, fat, doy failure of an NFL quarterback. Great, let's do it. And we should be able to do that without overlaying an ounce of politics onto it. I can criticize Jamarcus Russell's NFL work ethic and leave it at that. There's no hidden meaning behind that. There's no, oh, but what you're really saying is... No, I'm just saying he's a lazy... He, he was a lazy quarterback. He did not possess a professional athlete. He did not possess the work ethic to be a successful NFL quarterback. And that should be it. Because you see what we've done is we've become so afraid of expressing the wrong view that everything then has to become political. And this is wrong. This is not going well. And we need to push back against this. We need to have apolitical spaces in America. Um, because what we wanna do, what, what the, the mass manipulation is encouraging us to do is if I state Jamarcus Russell did not possess the work ethic to be a successful NFL quarterback, Instantly, what the mass manipulators want people to do is ask the question, well, what are the characteristics of the person making that statement? 
well, the characteristics of that person making the statement are that I'm a six foot seven, blonde, blue eyed, white male. So therefore, that comment is then filtered and influenced from that perspective. And then it looks at the, the characteristics of the person the comment is being made against. And they say, oh, well, he is an African-American male. Therefore, we can politicize that comment and say that it is racist or it is a sign of white privilege or patriarchy or blah, blah, blah. Insert whatever woke weenie nonsense you want to put in there. So instead of it turning it into an equal playing field of, hey, what's this dude's work ethic to be a successful NFL quarterback, it then turns into a racial thing. And to be quite honest, it's exhausting. And I'm completely done with it. And I hope that you are too. We need apolitical spaces. We need to be able to make statements that aren't then... Oh, we just got to pull the thread. Let's pull the thread and see where it leads us. Oh, no, because when you do that, you can make any asinine, stupid, logical leap to justify any sort of retarded reasoning. You can't say retarded. It's just so wrong. Oh, boy. So, yeah, we need some apolitical spaces. Jamarcus Russell was a fat, lazy slob who failed in the NFL because he did not possess work ethic. <laughs> End of story. But, 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 and the exact same comment applies to Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel failed in the NFL because he was a party-addicted, entertainment-addicted, lazy slob who did not possess the work ethic to succeed in the NFL. I mean... Yeah, has nothing to do. And this is the thing. Like, really? Really? We, we are, and this has been my go-to line, and I've shared this before, when people want to bring up, when they want to politicize everything. Well, that's different. Johnny Manziel was white, so he had an upper hand advantage, and Jamarcus Russell was African-American, so he was naturally blah, blah, blah. They're, they're both lazy. But you can't say that because of it. Here's my go-to. You say, so, so you disagree with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.? You are anti-Martin Luther King Jr., who said that it's not the, character, it's not the color of a, of, of a man's skin, but the content of his character that we should judge? You disagree with that. That is truly a remarkable statement, that you would disagree with the revered Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who stated that, he dreams of a day when men will be judged not on the color of their skin, but the content of their character. We can't talk about the content of Jamarcus Russell's work ethic and put that up against the content of Johnny Menzel's work ethic and conclude that they are both similarly lazy and therefore they both failed as NFL quarterbacks. We can't have that discussion about the content of their work ethic as it relates to nothing but their work ethic. We can, and we will. At least here on this Muthanomics podcast, we will. So we need spaces for a political uh, discussion. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, continue to attempt to advocate for that more and more. There is no try. There is only do. So yeah, I will. We're going to... 
we need apolitical spaces. We need to make comments and we need to make judgments that are not always traced back to the Marxist wet dream utopia of the oppressed and the oppressors. Um, and I think that once you realize that that's the currency that that miserable Marxist malcontents trade in, um, if you take that away from them, they don't exist. If you take away the oppressed and the oppressors, if you take away the misery, if you take away the dark winters and the gloomy forecasts and the inevitable apocalypse that is coming upon us unless you, every single one of you, give us everything, um, if you realize that that's their currency, if you take that away, they can't transact. The only way that a miserable Marxist malcontent can transact is if they are given miserableness. Um, so apolitical spaces um, means that there's not always misery. So my book collection has expanded rapidly. I found thriftbooks.com, which has been nice. Um, and I, I don't think that I know they're not selling. Well, if they are selling through Amazon, they're disguising it well, because I get packages from, um, individual book people from all over, uh, the country. So that's nice. Um, so yeah, I haven't used Amazon in forever. So I found thrift books and I've been ordering books. I, I mentioned previously that, um, I got another copy of Endurance for our kids to read, the story of Shackleton um, trying to make the Antarctic. Um, I got The Worst Journey in the World, which is another uh, retelling of a different Antarctic expedition. Um, I got Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, Navy SEAL. First, first uh, I want to say first. Yeah, I think he was the first African-American to uh, make the Navy SEALs. I need to verify that, but that's what my memory banks want to tell me. Um, I got Lords, another copy of Lords of Finance, The Bankers Who Broke the World. I got You Cannot Be Serious by John McEnroe, his biography. Um, I'm reading a book called My Love Language is Pain, which is actually kind of depressing, but also funny. Um, it's just a collection of short stories by a guy who grew up in an incredibly abusive home environment. Um, alcoholic father, pedophile, um, live-in boyfriend, um, just a really, really rough life. And he just recounts the stories and eventually moves on to, to share how he found forgiveness and hope and love through a relationship with Jesus Cristo. Um, what else? Uh, still um, working my way through the Edison biography. Uh, I, I got through it and then I had to stop. It's just such a weird format. He works backwards. So uh, each part is dedicated to a, one decade of Edison's life, but he starts at the end of Edison's life and then just goes back in 10-year increments. And I don't know why that's so difficult for me to get my mind around that in a sequential biograph biographic format. I mean, every biography I've read, every probably every biography you've read, it starts with Thomas Alva Edison, born whatever, whatever, 18 whenever. Grew up with siblings. His dad was a hardworking yada yada. When he was two years old, he did this. When he went to kindergarten, which they didn't have back then, he did this. When he was seven, he fell out of a tree. When he was 12, he discovered that he loved uh, lightning. 
And then he thought, hey, if I can bottle that into an incandescent light bulb, maybe I'll become a gazillionaire. Um, and so it goes forward through the life. This thing's going backwards. And for whatever reason, my mind has not liked it. So I took a break. But I got to say, once I hit part three, um, I think we're currently, maybe it's part four now, we're, we're in 1890 to 1900. Um, and I'm starting to, I'm starting to jive with it, but just fair warning, if you get it, Edmund Norris, um, Edmund Morris, if you get that biography by Edmund Morris called Edison, just be prepared that it's like a Benjamin Button style biography and it's a little wacky. Wee bit wacky. So... Oh, man. Huh. Early Saturday morning instead of Saturday morning cartoons. It's the Muthanomics podcast. Uh, so we are rocking and rolling. So the Bucks are into the Super Bowl. I wish the Rays would have won the Super Bowl. Or not the Super Bowl, the World Series. Because then the Tampa Bay City, City of Tampa Bay could have had the World Series, the Stanley Cup, and potentially the Super Bowl at the same time. That would have been pretty cool. Um... So yeah, that's pretty much all I wanted to say. I just wanted to ramble for a little bit and and uh, exhort you to have apolitical spaces in your life. Don't feed the Marxist mass manipulation media beast by politicizing everything. Um, miserable Marxist malcontents thrive on the politicization of everything. So don't feed them. Don't politicize everything. You'll be happier. The culture will, will be better off. Um, and it'll go a long way in defending the principle of free speech and go a long way in promoting a culture that doesn't cave to the cancel culture but stands up um, and actually has some courage. So, And, and that's the alternative. So I, some people, a, a handful of people were, were talking to me about the episode a couple weeks ago about um, cancel culture exists because cowardice culture exists. Well, the the antithesis of cowardice is courage. So, and just as just just as contagious as cowardice, cowardice can be contagious, but also courage can be contagious. In fact, I think courage is more contagious than cowardice because it stirs up in the individual a desire to f- them for themselves to be courageous. Um, so yeah, be apolitical, have spaces for apoliticalness. Like we should go back to not asking people what they make and go back to not asking what people believe on the political front. Um, but it's become so ingrained in the social media culture that you have to brag about how much you make. You have to post screenshots of your stock earnings. Or you have to post you know, pictures of the cash on your bed or... You know, you have to you have to make known your income and your political leanings at all times in order to gain in popularity to prove your allegiance to the quote unquote correct thinking group. Um, so we need to go back to being apolitical. We need to go back to not caring what people do, how much they make. Um, I think we'll be happier as as individuals and happier as a group of people if we do that because instead of constantly comparing um, and stoking the desires of envy and jealousy and discontent uh, we can find enjoyment in standing up for principles and really using liberty to try to become better people 
um, which I believe is John, John Adams, argued quite fervently that the, the purpose of liberty is not so that we have a race to the lowest common denominator, I'm paraphrasing him, but so that we could pursue virtue. Liberty is not an excuse to run headlong down into vice. Liberty should be, uh, it should free us up to pursue virtue. And recently in America, we're using liberty as a means to run headlong down the road to vice. And we need to shift gears, change courses, and begin to view liberty as a means to pursue virtue. Now you're just being a moralist. Well, you know what? Without morals, without principles, what are we even doing? I refuse I refuse to jump into the Vitamix blender of postmodern meaninglessness. That might be your cup of tea, but I refuse to jump into that blender because it just turns into a malaise of blended together mushiness that really lacks any sort of clarity. Really on any topic. Like, <laughs> there, you cannot have clarity on any topic if you jump into the postmodern Marxist Vitamix blender um, and allow all distinctions of meaning and precision and clarity to be washed away with the mentally weak, woke weenies. So, refuse, refuse. Don't jump off the diving board into that blender. Um, insist on clarity and principle and courage. Be courageous, people. Be courageous. Um, you can always go to brandonmuth.com. Check out the latest episode of Book Beat Beverage. And remember, every Saturday morning, instead of Saturday morning cartoons, it's the Muthonomics Podcast. Peace.